back and better than ever. Back in action, 2020. Um, what a cute blouse you're wearing. Thank you. I just, I like to put on something nice to dazzle you. I, I, lo- I love to be dazzled. <laughs> How are you, Kristen? Oh, Natalie, I feel like I'm living my dreams. <laughs> I know that you are. I wonder if um, people who don't know us try to imagine based on our voices what we might look like. Oh, I feel like they look at that little like icon on our podcast and they're like, yeah, that's exactly what they look like. But do you think they know who is who? I think based on our voices? Exactly who is who. <laughs> I think we're all connected. We're all one. And they hear my voice and they go, yeah, she's the one with the big hair. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, if you are new to the Create Podcast, welcome. This is a place for fun and sharing and exploration and joy and flirting and debauchery. <laughs> oh, all my favorite things all wrapped up into one. It's like the moment you put debauchery like merged with the divine at that intersection, you find me. That's right. That's where you live. Um, if you are new to the Create podcast, Create is Kristen and I's little brainchild, little love child. It stands for Community Reclaiming Every Artist's True Expression, because we do believe that everyone on the planet is here as a powerful creator and as an artist, and they have a dharma, a purpose, that they are here as the answer to a question that the universe had, and your life, your birth, your presence is proof of that worthiness. And so we're just here to say, how can we help facilitate and have conversations with artists that help them bring that power and that spark to life? That is their birthright. And we know that by you creating what is inside of you to make, the entire world evolves. Like we all get better when you take that thing that's inside of you and you give it to the world. So this is our way of creating like, hey, all of you who need support and actually bringing that thing to the planet, we're on the same team. We have the same goals. I know we're all scared. Let's hold our hands. Let's do it together right? Because we know that community creates that immunity, as Michael Beckwith says. So we can be totally afraid of what it might be like to bring our true selves to the world. But if we keep encouraging each other, hey, you can do it. I know it comes up when you start to really be seen and vulnerable and live your truth. We got this. This is what we're here for. We're all learning the same lessons together. Man, and what's so interesting is that you get that you're actually all in the same lesson all the time. So when I say to Kristen or to any of you listening, oh, there's this thing that wants to be born through me, this script or this project or this baby that wants to be birthed through me. And I'm so scared. And here's all the reasons I think I'm inadequate. And you can look at me and say, but that's not true of you. That couldn't be further from the truth. I, this is what I see. And it's a totally different reflection. And then once I see that I actually feel the same way about you and your stuff and your fears, then we can start to get the discernment to say, what is the ego trying to keep me away from versus who am I actually and who do I get to be in this moment? Isn't it fun to have these conversations together? (laughs) I mean, I don't know about you, Nat, but I feel like why I love to have these conversations is because I need it as much as I need to give it away. Yeah. Well, that is for those of you that have been with the podcast for a long time, you may know this. And those of you that uh, haven't been may not, but this podcast was actually born out of you and I just having these conversations so on the regular and having found within our friendship, 
the gift of being able to explore and ask questions about these kind of topics. And just not like we have any answers, just saying, hey, here's what I'm thinking about. Here's what I'm learning. Here's what's coming up for me. And have someone on that same channel reflecting back with you and giving ideas and feedback. It became so powerful for us and the growth in our own life became so big as a result of having that community that all we wanted to do is say, well, what would happen if we put a microphone in front of us and just had these conversations with a lot more friends? Yeah. So the importance is the visibility of the process. I think often you see artists who have su- succeeded on a certain level, right? They have some sort of fame or notoriety and, and you create in your mind a sense of separation. Oh, they're there, I'm here. But because you haven't heard them talk about their process and what it took them to be able to like get to their truth and then be able to be vulnerable enough to face rejection again and again and give it away, you don't realize you're right there in it. You're so close. You're in the middle of what it takes. And, um, and so if we can together cheerlead each other and be like, yeah, this is it. This is the process. This is the life's work. And that as you go to, to your dream, to your dharma, all your stuff will come up. All your stuff that affects your romantic relationships, your financial life, your relationship with the divine, your relationship with others. That's all part of it. It's all in the soup. Yeah. And speaking of it's all part of it, (laughs) this brings us right into our topic that we wanted to talk about today. So let me backtrack and say that it was Christmas Eve in Paris and I was with my love and we decided to that we wanted to go to the American church in Paris. So there's this really big, beautiful church in Paris. I believe it's in the first And it's really this beautiful blend of American people and French people. And so my love is French and I'm a Canadian American lady. So we're like, well, this could be a fun place for us to end up and a cute little tradition for us on Christmas Eve. And so we went to this beautiful church and there were so many faces and cultures and and it was just so magnificent. The whole service was really just music. It was like a lot of singers and guitar players and there was a bell choir and it was just a lot of people just being silent, listening to music, reflecting on the end of the year, reflecting on what Christmas is and family and all these things. And then the cutest guy got up to give his sermon or to his his preach, whatever. Um, I'm not sure what denomination it is or if it's like a multi-denomination situation, but this lovely man. I want to say he was like from Texas or somewhere in this cute accent, like uh, not at all what you would expect in some big grand Paris church. And he had so much warmth inside of him. And he started doing this sermon. And what he started talking about is how we can be the light in the world. And this is a very common theme. And it's very common for Christmas that you know, we celebrate Christmas around the time of the winter solstice, which is the returning of the light. The days start getting longer, the the light starts coming back. And so what the Christ story kind of represents in Christianity, or even in the Jewish tradition, the lights of Hanukkah, what it all represents is sort of out of nothing and nowhere, the light was the thing that was the sustaining thing. And that every tradition in their own way celebrates the light, the return of the light, that, that what, that how faith can allow the light to grow or all of these different things. So as he was talking about the light, he started talking about a candle 
And as he was talking about the candle, it's almost like I started going into a deep channel or meditative state. And I started hearing a message about the candle. And what I got and what I was hearing was that we, and we've talked about this before, in yoga, the tradition of yoga talks about we as a human being, being both form and formless. So we are both a spiritual, a consciousness, and we are also like our bodies and our thoughts and our feelings, which is form. So something like a table is form. We see the form of the table, but we as a human being are not just a table. We also have a spirit, an animating force or prana, chi, life force coursing through us. There's something, an animating force inside of us. And so what I was getting when I was listening was that we, the life force in us, the soul in us, the consciousness in us, the spirit that never dies, that nothing bad can happen to that doesn't change. It's the same you that was two years old and 10 years old and 30 years old. The same you watching yourself with these different friends and these different stages of your lives with these different outfits and different players. There's a consciousness that's watching the whole thing that never changes, that's constant. That consciousness is the light and the yogis call it purusha, the soul. And that light is what we really are. And then I got the feeling of the wick inside the candle and the wick is like our form. It's our body. It's our mind. It's our thoughts. It's all this stuff that we think we are, our personality, our ego, that isn't really what we are. And then it's like we come to life and what happens to us in life is we get this thick coating on us, this conditioning, the stuff that happens to us, the, you know, someone made fun of you on the playground or someone said no to you or someone yelled at you for speaking your truth out loud, or you had your heart broken or something amazing happened or whatever all these things are. And that is the wax that ends up building up around the candle. So we end up having these three parts of who we are, the soul, which represents what we really are, the wick, which is the part of us that wants to burn away so that we can know ourselves as the light, not as the wick that is changing, that things happen to. And the wax is the stuff that we are here to burn through. And so what I got really present to is, wow, how much of my life have I spent cursing, condemning, or disliking the wax in my life, the stuff that's hard for me, the conditions, the limiting thoughts. It's like, I want to make that stuff wrong. And I want to think my life would be better if it wasn't there. But that stuff is my life. The burning away of that stuff is how I know myself as the light. And if it wasn't for that stuff, I wouldn't have any reason to be here. If it wasn't for the wax around the candle, You would light the candle and it would burn straight down and it would be over. So the actual presence of our life is I get to know myself as the everlasting, non-changing presence of energy that remains no matter what wax is there and no matter what wax melts away. So if we can reframe how we look at the stuff we would consider the wax in our life, the difficult relationships, the difficult people, the bankruptcies, 
the hard times, the inability to conceive, whatever these things are that become the wax in our life that feel like, if only I didn't have this thing, I could live my full life. And reframe it to say, the only way I live my full life is in relationship to these things and in the letting of them melt away by me knowing myself as the light. So beautifully said, Nat. And I remember right after you told me this, I think I saw you the next day after you had gone to the Christmas Eve uh, ceremony and you were telling me this and I was like, yes, like my soul started screaming, of course, the wax gives us something to do. Without the wax, we'd kind of be bored. Like if we were just these enlightened beings hanging out, spreading our sunshine, like, what, what are we working on? What are we doing? The, so the wax is like this beautiful curriculum through which we get to know ourselves as who we really are. So there's this constant kind of like hide and seek game going on inside the form and the formless. Who am I really? And what is the light showing me about that wax? I only know myself through my human incarnation. So let me not shame my human incarnation for being human. And inside this, what I love is there's just so much grace and acceptance. Um, I've often been thinking about how we create this really bizarre relationship with ourselves, where there are certain parts of ourselves we will call, quote unquote, good. And there are certain parts of ourselves that we'll call, quote unquote, bad. Or we'll say, this part of me is wanted, this part of me is unwanted. So then we take that bad or unwanted part of ourself and we try to clean it up or get rid of it. And what I'm really interested in is, what if I don't try to clean it up? What if I don't try to get rid of it? What if I love the wax as my wax? Here it is. Like, so here's my workaholism. Here's my codependency. Here's how I'm late all the time. You know, here's all the stuff that is the stuff that is who I am, right? And this is the stuff that I want to be embarrassed about. I don't want to tell someone I'm dating about. Like, but what if I just kind of loved it? What if I developed a brand new relationship with it? And I was like, oh, look at all this stuff that I am here to evolve through. What if I like pulled it in my arms as the most precious part of me? It's actually the part of me that needs love the most. So instead of creating this like war inside of myself or creating this split self, I'm actually creating an integrated whole self that loves all parts of me. And something I've been thinking about a lot recently is I can't not be in war with another person if I'm in war with myself. So whatever's going on inside of me is going to show up in my outer world. So how do I, before I even get the outer world involved, create peace within myself? Well, that means I'm going to have to love and accept and be at peace with all parts of me. And when I can create that container where all is welcome, where everything can be here, where I'm not judge or labeling that, then I have the opportunity to do that with my friend, with my partner, with my coworker. And then peace truly becomes something that can begin with me because I'm doing it with myself. And the only then can I start to let that go into the world. But it's, mm-hmm. a, it's a single person's game first, right? I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a contained one-person job, and then, it can, and then it can grow. Wow. You know, that really is making me think about something on my own leading edge. I've always had this 
unrelenting standard for myself. Like I want to hold myself to a very high perfectionist standard. And I feel like our culture really supports that and tells us that that's a great idea and that's how we motivate and that's how we get a lot of good work done. And, you know, that's how we get better than everyone else and and all these stories. But there's this feeling of like, well, I, you know, I have to work out optimally. I have to be the top of the class when I do it. I have to eat optimally. I have to, you know, get up on time. I have to do my morning practice perfectly. I have to do my work perfectly, right? There's this feeling of holding yourself to this high standard of excellence and the false idea that you're actually creating a healthy relationship with yourself and doing it. And the only thing that's really allowed me to see how detrimental my own unrelenting standard for my own self is, is that then when I don't live up to my own standard, the amount of shame, the ability to beat up on myself, the ability to be mean to myself and say, you are not good enough and other people are better than you. And how are you so weak? And how are you so sensitive? And why can't you just get it together? And the level of hateful, mean, cruel thoughts, because there was this unrealistic expectation that I didn't lead, that I couldn't live into, which led me to feel like a failure. And then the deep level of pain and shaming that happens in the failure state. But what's really interesting is that's not actually enough for me to have changed it because that's a pattern I'm used to. I'm Mm. used to being mean to myself. I'm used to being hard on myself. And actually there's a place inside myself that feels so bad that that becomes the motivation to go for the next unrelenting standard. Like, yeah, I never want to feel this bad again. So I'm going to push myself harder. I'm going to fight even more to be better. And so that pattern continues to perpetuate. And what's been really healing for me in terms of what you've been talking about is noticing how unconsciously my unrelenting standard for myself ends up going out into life. So if I'm holding myself to this high standard, then I start holding my romantic partner unconsciously to a high impossible standard. And I hold uh, the, the bus driver on, to come on time at that schedule. Like You end up holding everyone and everything in life to that same impossible standard. And there's no room for anyone to just be a human. There's no room for someone to just have a bad day or to just be in their stuff. There's no compassion. There's no grace. And so then when it gets reflected back to you, someone saying, well, I just feel like I can't get it right, or I'm not enough. That's the thing that makes you go, whoa, no, I never want you to feel that way. No, you are perfect. And you know, you are doing enough. And so that's the thing that allows you to say, oh, it has to start with me. Because if I think it's okay to beat myself up, then that behavior is normalized in me and I will consciously or unconsciously beat someone else up too because the behavior has become okay at some level. If I think it's okay for me to hold myself to a perfectionist standard, then I will consciously or unconsciously do it with life and I will get mad at the universe when it's not perfect enough for me and I will shame the universe when it hasn't performed the way I want it to. I will shame my dream when it hasn't provided for me what I want it to. Right. And that's a way to live in isolation and not in intimacy. And so when we can get that the wax is supposed to be there, that it's part of our humanity to mess it up and make mistakes and fall down 
and learn from it and then fall down and not learn from it and take some more time and then maybe figure it out. And one of my favorite things that my yoga guru, Christy Marsden, mentioned to me is, Nat, you know how long it takes you to get a lesson sometimes? And I'm like, oh man, sometimes it takes me years to learn the same damn lesson 30 times. And then finally on the 30th time, it's like I get the lesson. And she said, so don't go looking at someone else and saying, I need you to act this way and expect them to get it on the first time. <laughs> like, like, Pete, you have to give people the dignity of timing and the dignity of their humanity and the dignity of their process of working through the wax the way they work through it. And it'll be different than the way I work through it. And everyone's process is sacred. That's it. All like we, we have a podcast from a few weeks ago, All Paths Are Holy, right? That talks about innately inside of us, we know what our path to our own evolution looks like. And there's that thing that happens like when you're talking about it, and thank you for being so vulnerable about your own process. I also want to share, can I, I hope this is okay. You'll let me know if it's not. But when you shared about being in spin class the other day and you let yourself go easy, I literally felt like you had a breakthrough. It was a gigantic breakthrough. I I taught a whole class about how I let myself not be first placed in spin class and it was a giant spiritual breakthrough. That is a giant spiritual breakthrough, right? Of I can be exactly where I am. And that's okay. And what a loving action to do for oneself is to say, I don't have to be anywhere but here and I don't have to push myself. I mean, that's the interesting thing about the universe is it works in terms of flow. Um, There's a teaching that talks about how do we navigate through the Maya of the world? And it isn't through push and hustle. It's actually through flow. So the universe itself, through Maya, through illusion, will bring obstacles. But the way that we, um, the, that spirit will take us through those obstacles is by a surrendering and allowing and then letting spirit move us through. I know there have been so many times in my life that I have had obstacles that seemed insurmountable. And that I'm like, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how I'm going to get through this. But it was by like showing up and allowing something through the presence of showing up, create a new path or a new opening. But this is something that is so dear to my heart. I might have talked about this before, but I will just bring it fresh, is I had an experience, and I know you know about this, Natalie, but when I was on psychedelics, where a woman I was talking to morphed into my teenage self. And I started to have a dialogue with her and she basically said to me, stop pushing me so hard. I'm tired. Right. And I I said to her in the dialogue, I said, what do you want? And she said, I want to go back to Paris. She just wanted to be able to be in bliss and in love and that relaxed state of enjoying life. And This hit me so hard because I realized in that session how much I was using the validation of the world, of how much I could achieve to feel like, oh, okay, now I'm valuable, now I'm worthy. And how that got set up as a little girl who felt like super not enough or insecure. And the moment I first started getting A's, I was like, oh, my teachers now think I'm smart. Oh, now people think I'm interesting or worthy. So that kind of like 
how much can I push myself to create that kind of shiny achievement in the world? But when I ask my sweet little inner Kristen, what does she want? Like, what would feel like love to her? It's often flowers, <laughs> you know? It's often, I want to spray some perfume. Oh, I just want to look at the sun. And so it's a really interesting thing just to look at my whole life, how I've always beat myself up for the, for the parts in me that I have wanted to judge or think I should be through by now, right? Mm. Oh, I should have learned this lesson by now. I should be past this. Ooh, why do I still make these mistakes that I know better than? And, and realizing that even that dialogue comes from a place where there's a part in me that wants to return back to like love and grace. That spirit is always talking out of that voice. Have you, do you remember that Elizabeth Gilbert interview where Oprah said, what does the voice of the divine sound like or spirit sound like? And she says, it sounds like grace. grace. Yeah. yeah. And, and so if I can just keep reminding myself what would love feel like in the situation? What would grace feel like in the situation? And that I'm doing it for myself so that I can also do it for the world. Um, and it's really interesting to watch one's mind through the course of the day, just like how we think the wax isn't supposed to be there. We think That's it's it. not supposed to be there, but That's it's it. supposed to be there. So what does our day then look like if we're like, nothing's wrong. I'm completely whole. Everything is as it should be. All these like delicious flaws about me. Yeah. What if they're, what if they're the most divine part of me? What right. if I'm not even supposed to get rid of them? I love how part of that 12 steps are, we're not even supposed to get rid of our character flaws. We give, we keep surrendering them over to the divine and saying, Hey, remove these, please. Whenever, whenever you're ready in your time, not in mine. Well, so much of it is who would I be if there were no problems to solve if I base my worthiness on how well I can solve problems? Mm. Right? There's that big question of, oh, who, who do I, am I allowed to just take up space in the world and do what feels pleasurable? No, 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 no. Sure. I have to be a martyr. I have to do things. I have to solve problems. I, you know, and so part, the biggest problem that we create is ourselves. And so we're always trying to solve the problem of ourselves. And I feel like the voice of grace is just the voice that says, Hey, I'm just here to remind you there was never a problem to solve. That's it. Yeah, I've been listening to Al, Al, uh, Alan Cohen talk about A Course in Miracles. Oh, he said this thing that brought me to my knees. His interpretation through A Course in Miracles of Jesus's crucifixion is, this is the last crucifixion, which means you no longer have to crucify yourself. Mm. The crucifixion stops here, as in, we don't have to be martyrs anymore, mm. right? We don't have to... Um, keep sacrificing ourselves for some sort of idea of holiness. We have it already. We actually just get permission to be who we are and yeah. be in joy. It's a gift that was already given. Yeah. 
I really got present to this integration of the parts of myself that I was rejecting when we were in Bali. And we worked with this incredible healer who we will have as a guest on our podcast. So stay tuned for that one. She uh, had asked us at one point to share about our experience. There was a meditation. And during the meditation, what came up for me is this really, really deep fear and discomfort, this part of myself I wanted to reject that felt like a little kid who didn't know how to take care of herself. And so how I felt like I had spent a lot of time in my life just looking for someone who would take care of me and keep me safe because I felt unsafe and I felt like I wasn't capable of making myself safe. I didn't know how to do that. So if I find someone else to do that, okay, then I'll feel better. Or if there's enough money in the bank account, okay, then I'll feel better. Or whatever you want to call it, whatever makes all of us feel safe. And I remember saying to her in the meditation, I had this feeling of like, I don't know how to take care of myself. And it was this deep fear. And then what I wanted to to go to next was, but there's a higher power that can take care of me. There's something else that can take care of me. And she said, can I invite you to just be with, what if you don't know how to take care of yourself? What if no one else is coming? What if it never changes? And can you just sit with that and say, and that's okay. What if instead of trying to find a knight in shining armor, even in the universe, even in the divine, what if you sat with the part of yourself that you want to shame and push away and thinks that there's something wrong with it that needs to be taken care of it? And what if you sat with that part and said, yeah, there's a part of me that doesn't know what to do. And instead of looking for someone to bail me out or tell me what to do or fix it or be becoming the person who fixes it for myself, what if I just said, I don't know. I don't know how to take care of myself. I'm scared that I don't know how to take care of myself. And that is okay. I don't have to know. No one has to come. I'm allowed to just be with it's okay that I feel scared about my inability to keep care of myself. And as soon as I sat with, it's okay to not feel safe, it was like my entire world exploded before me because there was the moment in that that I realized how every action I had taken most of my life on an unconscious level was to try to make myself feel safe. And so if keeping myself safe is no longer something I'm responsible for because I don't know how, then I get to just live the life that I want to live. And I'll be safe or I won't be. But the person in me who can emerge to handle that will. And so I don't have to worry about it. And I don't have to make separate or less than the part of myself that doesn't know what to do. I can love the part of myself that doesn't want know what to do instead of trying to cover it with, well, who knows, let's find them. And so I think there's an opportunity in saying, okay, the wax is here for me. The wax is that the yoga sutras talks about like the meaning of life sutra, which is all of form is here to serve the master 
Purusha, the spirit, the soul, so that the soul understands what it isn't. So by contrast, we see what we are not. So we know ourselves as the light. So the wax is in our life to constantly show us that we're the candle that burns it, not the wax itself. So when I identify as, I don't know what to do, I'm identifying myself as wax, as opposed to the light, it doesn't need to know what to do. It's just a being. And it's safe already. It always has been. Yeah. I feel like that is the leading growth, isn't it? The leading edge of growth right now is that there is no part of me that cannot be felt by me and that cannot be seen by me, that the importance of saying it all um, out loud, at least to myself, it's okay that I'm afraid, right? It's okay that I don't know what's next. It's okay that I feel a little lost right here. All of those things, I don't need to grasp for knowledge. I don't need to rush to fix anything. I can be with all parts of myself as is, embrace them all. Like um, I envision the goddess mother, right? Mother Earth, wrapping her arms around us as her like precious children and saying exactly as you are, exactly as you are. And as we get courage to see ourselves exactly as we are and then share ourselves exactly as we are, someone else might say, yeah, me too. I have that as well. I feel totally afraid that I can't take care of myself either. I'm afraid I'm never going to get my shit together. I am scared of being too visible or too seen or too loud. I have all those same things and we can be like all of us and we're all so beautiful and so powerful and capable of so much. We all have this infinite light inside of us and we have this beautiful life curriculum, this wax that will never stop melting. We will never stop burning. We will never stop unfolding. I can have grace and love for my wax. I can have grace and love for your wax. We no longer judge each other because we know it's just the beautiful wax doing its job. Everybody gets their process. Everybody gets their timing. Everybody gets to burn together, right? We get to light up the world together in that way. Well, and that's so beautiful because, of course, at the end of the mass or the service or the sermon or whatever this beautiful experience was, uh, I think his name was like Pastor Scott or something. In my he, head, Pastor Scott, by the way, is really hot, like super sexy. I wouldn't describe him that way, but maybe you would think so. <laughs> he was definitely cute and roly-poly and adorable. Um, <laughs> Pastor Scott, at the end, he invited everyone to, you know, he, we started with one candle and then lit the next and lit the next and everyone had their own candle And in the end, there was just that moment of looking around the church and all these different faces, different ages, different ethnicities, different humans, different wax, all holding and having their beautiful faces lit by the candlelight. And it is exactly that, that the light will oftentimes trigger a wax burning for someone else if you allow yourself to shine as brightly as you were born to shine. And that reminds me of the Marianne Williamson, Nelson Mandela quote about 
you know, you give people permission to let their light shine when you let yours shine. And we can be the light that creates change and more light on this planet that we actually have more power than we possibly know. And all it has to do is in, with is integration, with loving all parts of ourselves, with meeting the parts of ourselves we want to judge with ultimate grace, with meeting the parts we want to judge in someone else with ultimate grace and saying how awesome that they're working through their wax. And I give them that space and the dignity of that time and the dignity of their process because I know how long it takes me to go through mine sometimes. And so all together, we can continue to keep standing for the light, let the wax burn, and create the world as powerful creators that we want to live in. There it is. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you for um, being that channel that received that message and for sharing it with us. Mm. Um, and thank you to all of our listeners for, for everyone doing such a great job being themselves and for listening and being part of this conversation and willing to stand for the light that is within them. Mm. Thank you so much being part of this conversation and we just encourage you in whatever way you're moving through your own wax to just know it's okay and it's here for you and we all have wax and we all wish we had someone else's wax and the wax that we have is perfectly designed for the light that we are and so just keep on plugging away we love you so much thank you so much for listening we love to feel like we have friends all over the world in you who are committed to doing their dream on the planet and if you like this podcast and you want to find out more about what we're doing or who we are our pop-up classes our online classes you can check all of that out at thecreateseries.com and if you want to be part of our Facebook community you can go to the Create Community page that's C period R period E period A period T period E period community and if you loved this podcast why not share it with a friend 